0: And one last look at Pierce.
1: Welcome inside the Celtics Life Podcast. I'm Justin Quinn, here with Tofer Lane, and for this podcast only, we're shaking things up a bit to celebrate the career of an all-time Celtics great, Paul Pierce, on the eve of his retirement. We spoke about this a bit on the last few pods, and we'll be bringing you a lot more coverage of Pierce's retirement over the coming weeks and months, both on the pod and on the blog, but this pod is all about his fans meeting you. We'll be covering the week's big events still, and the playoffs more broadly at the end of the second round in detail. But for now, let's take a moment to appreciate all that Paul's done for the Celtics and the sport of basketball as a whole. How's it going, tofer
2: It's going great. It's uh, it's sad, though, right? You know, that Paul Pierce's career is like officially over, that like there's actually this moment where it's, it's you know, we saw it end in, in L.A. in Game 7, you know? It ended
1: in Boston as far as I'm concerned.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. But you know, it's 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 the end of an era. It's the end of at least for Celtics fans, you know, that we have not there was the time when he was traded away from, from Boston, and obviously that was a uh um a sad moment for everybody, but you know, actually the end of his career, like literally coming in the playoffs first round, it just it doesn't seem fitting for a guy like Paul Pierce.
1: Well, you know, I have a lot of respect for, for Chris Paul and the uh will get you home to Los Angeles kind of fatalistic in the sense that, uh, it almost sounded like he'd given up before he'd, uh, finished the series, but mm-hmm. I did appreciate that.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I mean, the way I, for those who weren't, didn't follow Paul Pierce lost game seven against the uh, jazz. And yeah, you know, I mean, he did get some, some time at the end of the game and, and clip even Clippers fans were cheering. We want Paul before his retirement. So it, it was really, it was a nice moment for at least Celtics fans to see that, that not only is he embraced as, as kind of a Boston, you know, that he has this legacy in Boston and that he means so much to our fan base, but that also he means a lot to, to L.A. And, and the teams that he plays for. It just shows how much he means to the fans.
1: Absolutely. I've got a good friend who's a Washington fan, so, you know, relations have been a little strained lately. <laughs> but, uh, but that aside, we both share an appreciation for Paul. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on. As far as the playoffs are going at the moment, uh, I'm sure most of the people, if not all the people who are listening, are aware that we we beat Washington last night 123 to 101. And uh, as I mentioned a second ago, we'll we'll cover that a little bit more in detail. Instead, what we're going to be doing today is talking about all of your favorite moments of Paul Pierce, Paul Pierce as a Celtic, Paul Pierce. As a Wizards fan, strangely, I didn't get any responses from anyone talking about Paul Pierce as a Brooklyn Nets. Shocking, I know.
2: Was there? My, I, I kind of, I was sad that Paul Pierce was traded there, but I did. I just and I, like, I, I was still obviously a Paul Pierce fan, but I honestly never followed a single bit of the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Brooklyn Nets.
1: At I mean, all. they made the playoffs for for a season,
2: like the seventh seed, though, right?
1: Yeah, it was seventh or eighth seed. I can't remember which it was, but. I mean, I don't, to be completely fair, and please, y'all, you know, don't beat me up. I'm not so much. I, I don't think we would have done much better had we kept them. I mean, maybe if we had added somebody
2: great. And I didn't follow that at all. So I, I don't know if there were any memories to get from when he played with Brooklyn. Obviously, I mean, the, the only Washington, when he played with the Wizard, the only memory that I have of him was that game winner against oh, the yeah. Hawks. That's the only Wizard memory that I have. Otherwise, I, I can think of a lot from. At least I can think of. You know, his moments that he had with both Boston and L.A. when he was playing for the Clippers and just like reuniting with Doc and stuff and things like that. But I can't think of any like specific memories outside of plays that aren't in a green jersey.
1: Last week we heard from Lewis and Mark and we, we got a chance to hear about their favorite moments. So before we dive into the fans and the readers, would you say would be your favorite moment or moments of Paul Pierce, Boston or otherwise?
2: Oh, man. I just, you know, there... Because Mark and I talked about it last week. And, uh, you know, there's just so so much of his legacy that was in Boston. And even just his last game in Boston when he was playing with the Clippers and he hit that, that three.
0: From Inglewood, California, began his career and played 15 years here in Boston. And if you ask him, he'll always
2: bleed Celtic green. He never played a game in the garden where he didn't score a point. Right? And end of the game, he hits that three over Isaiah Thomas, who was actually trying to defend him. It was just, it was so, it, it was so perfect to end his career in Boston that he didn't leave without a bucket and that it was like a big time three. And it did make a difference in the course of the game, but regardless, it was a big time three that like he put over Isaiah Thomas. It was fantastic. The truth, um, torch the tooth. Yeah, and that's just, that's got to be. That's up there only because of just what it meant to me. And that game as a whole, you know, he kissed the floor. He just had like this entire, it was so emotional. And like, you saw that as he was waving to the crowd and stuff. I wish I could have been there. And I know Josh was, right? It's just, yeah, that, that's that got to be up there. And then just that's so many daggers. That's that's what I remember him for most is just the dagger threes that he would just put in. But, like 2000, was it 2009? The first round bowl series. It's just, you know, there's just all of these moments that just encompass Paul Pierce for me. I don't know if I can pick just one.
1: Yeah, it's pretty hard. For those of you who don't know what he's talking about, uh, Josh Coyne, who we'll be talking to a little bit later in the show, actually managed to make it from the United Kingdom. He's our, our United Kingdom correspondent, <laughs> um, and he managed to make it over. And I was very jealous.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's not fair.
1: Yeah, well, life's not fair. We don't get to keep <laughs> Paul Pierce forever.
2: Yeah, so we uh, we got comments from everybody. We heard from from our own contributors. We heard from. Tons of the uh, the listeners and, and readers of Celtic's life. And uh, yeah, it was honestly, I, it was great to kind of relive everyone's moments, reading through all these comments and, and all the, the tweets and stuff that we got. Uh, whether it was our own contributors or not, it was just a lot of fun to read through that stuff. Yeah, I'll
1: be putting together an article at some point in the coming week or so of just Paul Pierce moments. One thing that really stuck out to me, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure more than a few of you are also guilty of it. The first thing that comes to mind when someone asks me my favorite Paul Pierce moment, and it, when I really think about it, it's probably not my favorite Paul Pierce moment, but it really sticks out in my mind is one of the high water marks of his theatrics. And that would be the wheelchair game
0: certainly not the site the Celtics and their fans want to see paul Pierce piercing a lot of pain had to be carried off then they put him in the wheelchair as he's going back to the locker room obviously seen a lot of pain can't walk off on his own power it appears to be the right leg and it happened in this play in a collision with
1: kendrick perkins yeah. everybody brings it up and i yeah. mean let's be honest it's it's just you know psychological warfare but it drove the entire arena absolutely batshit crazy. It was wonderful.
2: Oh, uh,
1: this is the sight that the Celtics fans want to see. And hear the ovation
0: as he comes popping out of the tunnel. Oh,
2: wow, that's yeah. weird. Yeah, no, because everyone was writing about that in all the comments and stuff. Everyone had that in some capacity in their comment, where it's just a wheelchair game.
1: There's a lot more that, that came to people's mind, too. And I'm just going to get the, the contributors out of the way. Who, who chimed in on this for lewis uh, gonzalez you can find him at lewis dg nyc on twitter
2: which hurts slightly
1: <laughs> it's a little hard to, to it doesn't <laughs> quite roll off a tongue but i mean when do you ever see a, a twitter twitter handle sorry we're picking on you lewis no i mean to... i mean
2: the nyc is the part that hurts that it's nyc and not bos you know
1: <laughs> i mean hey I mean, that's where he <laughs> is I mean, I, I'm in Mexico. You know, we're allowed to be in different places. It happens.
2: Yeah, it's fine.
1: <laughs> well, for Lewis, Lewis says it has to be the dagger shot against the Knicks where Nate Robinson tumbled over Paul Pierce's back. Classic, classic Paul Pierce move for sure. Which, incidentally, was also a favorite of Celtics Life's Danielle Hobick. Danielle was kind enough to help me with her last name. Uh, and Twitter handle, and I'm going to ask you to remember it again later, but just in case you want to follow her, Lewis and her, and, you know, really all of us are, are great followers, I think. Um, it's, at oh, yeah. D, D, excuse me, it's at D-H-O-B-E-I-K-A on Twitter. Speaking of Danielle, she also brought up the time that Paul Pierce punched a ref in the face, and <laughs> I'm not entirely sure, but I, I think that that was Game 4 of the 2010 Finals.
2: Did you catch any of that? It's so Boston. Uh, it's just like it's everything that we that we are, you know. It's it's just it fits the the team and it fits everything so well that Paul Pierce is the guy who did that and that he did that and that the fans fucking loved it. It's just like dude, I think even the
1: ref loved it. Like he was trying
2: <laughs> not to smile after getting punched in the face. Oh man, yeah, I, I that's I, I completely forgot about that to be honest. That was because I was uh, I was actually in Mexico at the time when that was going on and so i wasn't able to see that game i would like i saw it on in a sports bar and i was like watching it in my peripherals but i didn't like see and then i saw like this kind of commotion and i was like what just happened i ended up catching it all on like replays later and stuff you know on facebook and stuff like that but like man that's yeah no that's a great that's a great memory
1: i had brought up my what i'm pretty much convinced is probably my favorite moment like my single performance moment of Paul Pierce on court. And Mark Mark is also Mark um, Allison. Uh, his Twitter handle is Mark AL401 incidentally we were talking about my favorite moment and it turns out it's also a big a big fan of uh, he's a big fan of that moment as well which is in the 2002 I think it was the semis but it might have been the, the conference finals when the Celtics were playing against Indiana for the first playoffs they had been in in I think six years mm-hmm. um, I could be wrong it might be seven. Anyway, he was squaring up against Al Harrington at the perimeter, and he, you, you see him, his, his tongue is waggling in his mouth, his eyes are darting back and forth, and, and Harrington is just, like, right up against him in a defensive stance, ready to pounce on him.
3: Harrington talking to Pierce. And Joe DeRosa telling him to shut up.
1: And this look just comes over his face. He looks away, smiles a tiny bit, looks back at him and says something right as he does it. And then just like pops up and buries it.
2: Right in his face. Yeah. Mark was talking about it on last week's podcast. And I loved it. It was, uh, that was a great, his like play by play of that. Mark's was fantastic. Where you're just trying to describe how he did that. Uh, yeah, that was, um, man, I was nine years old when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> And that that's weird for me. But yeah, no, that It's
1: weird for me too, man.
2: (laughs) But yeah, no, that that's uh how many people had that? It was you and Mark, and there were at least a couple other guys.
1: Oh, I saw I saw a couple other people mention it also on the article that we put up requesting requesting moments like this. It was definitely a fan favorite for sure. I mean, it's hard it's just one of those iconic moments.
2: Yeah, and that was that was when he was doing it all on his own. Like that was that was when it was Paul Pierce.
1: I wouldn't say, I mean, in that particular series, he still had Walker, he still had Kenny Anderson. I mean, there were were some people giving him a hand, but as far as like, you know, top-notch first-rate stars at that point, sure.
2: Well, then, uh, you know, we've got other people saying that great moments are just when he actually held up the trophy.
1: true and true. He's, he's, his only sin is he's a Kentucky fan if he's listening. So uh, I'll have to let him deal with that.
2: <laughs> I, like again, I said, I was born in 93, right? This was the first championship of, your of my wife, lifetime. Eh? Yeah. And so that's just like, just not only that, that it was just Celtics winning a championship, but then also like Paul Pierce ho- hoisting the trophy, you know, you had just this, this amazing series that came away with this, this just, Phenomenal win, and then it's just moment that you can look back on now. Yeah, it's it's unforgettable.
1: I was an undergraduate at New College of Florida in Sarasota, and the apartment I was staying in—it was a house, really. It was an older house, and it's absolutely wonderful place to live. But it had no air conditioning, and (laughs) like I couldn't break my—I couldn't go outside just to cool off. I, I just sweated bullets. Yeah, that was that was definitely one of the better moments of my life as well. So I can relate.
2: I can remember was, I can remember that and the uh, Red Sox 2004 World Series. I can remember those two moments like crystal clear, and I, I don't know why, but I just those are those two that just like stand out to me above everything else.
1: Well, I mean that's why we're here. <laughs> We've got a regular commenter, Atlantic City Celtic. Uh, he dug up a copy of the press conference after Paul Pierce's first game. Vince Farger
0: will get the start as he makes his NBA regular season debut. Makes a young, quick, athletic team. In the middle, a little undersized, but very athletic. Paul Pierce looks at the
2: rebuilding of this franchise. They trust him.
0: And Walker, one of those players Patino had at Kentucky. Vince Carter with his first basket in the NBA. And
2: see that it's in the 12, 14-foot range.
4: He can hurt you because he leaps so well.
0: There's Carter forcing the steal, and Christie runs right by Batee and Head challenging the basketball, 24, 25 feet from the basket. Paul Pierce forces the turnover. Kenny Anderson, Antoine Walker, he's got 11
1: which turned into a duel between Vince Carter and himself that Pierce won 19 to 16 points. And it's really interesting, the similarities. If you ever want to waste some time on basketballreference.com, just check out the career numbers between Vince Carter and Paul Pierce. They're
2: spookily similar. Pulling this up now. Because he's still in the, wait, no. Technically, yeah, so lead
1: Technically, uh, we'll see if Carter comes back next year. He sounds like he's going to. I mean, he's been yeah, really good. productive.
2: Yeah. Did he get drafted the same year? I believe so. I always just think of Vince Carter as being older. You know, he's forty years old right now. He's going to be forty-one if he does play next season, or he's going to turn That's forty-one halfway through the season.
1: That's around top five. That's probably the, the oldest guard. I know we had some big men that. Played into their 40s, including Parrish, who played till he was like 43 or 44 or some ridiculousness like
2: that. Yeah, no, I like, yeah, these stats are insanely close. Like, it's really weird. I mean,
1: if you want to read some off by all means, but I mean, like, where they stand on leaderboards for like games played, points scored, three points made, three points missed. I mean, you go down the list, it's just, it's really weird. And like, their games are not that similar, so it's kind of even more strange because of it.
2: Wait, keep going with memories. I'm going to figure out how to pull this up while you go along with these.
1: All right. So, for the serious Celtics fan, now I'm not just talking about all y'all, because I know y'all are serious Celtics fans, but for the commenter serious Celtics fan, shout out to you, <laughs> it was the win at the 2010 three-point contest, which had him sinking all five money balls, beating Steph Curry and Chauncey thing Phillips. One
0: the first guy that kind of pumps himself up in between his racks. Wallace yeah, is a terrific player. We're talking the Celtics, though.
3: The greatest NBA franchise ever. Better than the Lakers. Better than this the is Lakers. Good. How about that? Better than the Lakers. This, it's this
0: is going to be hard for Chauncey as well as Steph. What do you think about that, Reggie? Better than the Lakers, he said. The, uh, the Celtics organization. Something. Yeah. Yes, they have the most championships. One thing about Pierce on this uh, little round here, he hit all five money balls.
1: Those were important. That was pretty awesome. It was It was kind of like watching one of my favorite prospects. This gives me an opportunity to talk about him. Laurie Markhannon, I saw a clip of him just like draining nine threes in a row, and that was actually the first thing that I thought of was the three-point performance.
2: You know what the weirdest thing is? Sorry, I'm just like looking at these stats and really interesting by this. Yeah. Vince Carter has only played four more games than Paul Pierce his entire career. That's really freaking weird. Only four more games. Now, Paul has started like 300 more and averages about two and a half minutes more than Vince Carter. But that's now, just I like wonder, that's strange.
1: For the first year that they were in the league, was there a lot more career starts for the Celtics? Because the Celtics, if I remember right, were, I mean, not much worse, but a little bit worse than the Raptors you know, the Raptors were still a new team, but they they weren't coming out of the wilderness
2: period. Carter played in 50 games, Pierce played in 48, and they both started like almost all of those That's super in, their, weird. in their rookie seasons. Also, Carter was an all-star through like his first nine seasons and then just completely fell off and hasn't been an all-star since 2007. Pierce didn't become an all-star until his fourth season, and the only year that he wasn't was 2007 until 2012. So my,
1: my my guess at why that is is the wow. thing we mentioned earlier, the difference in their games, because Carter was a superstar when he had his, out of his world athleticism, I mean, who can forget him in the Olympics jumping over somebody's head? Yep. Seven foot tall at that. But, you know, that only lasts so long. And he, he reinvented his game in ways that are actually a lot closer to Paul Pierce's later on, you know, developing a jumper and becoming kind of... Kind of a guy who doesn't necessarily rely on on straight line drives to the basket and acrobatics to get his points. But I'm getting way off, you know, this this isn't the the Vince Carter pot. So, you know, come play for us and maybe we'll throw you a quick one. Just kidding.
2: At Thomp, our boy, I don't know, T-H-O-M-P, Thomp. Sure. He he says uh, his favorite moment was when Paul Pierce spun Spike Lee's hat around. I do Ah. not
1: remember that.
2: I don't know if I do either, but I, I actually I love the image Spike of it
1: Lee, like every time he played in New York,
2: well, Spike Lee's always there, like sitting courtside for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why he still likes he should just be a Celtics fan at this point, but for some reason, he still like worships oh, the, the Celtics.
1: he hates them so hard More maybe he the
2: playing with his hat,
1: <laughs> maybe I mean, but what do you expect if you wear those ugly ass orange hats?
2: True, I can respect it. it looks or it's s u for me
1: well, yeah, you got an excuse
2: demetrius u k he added in the big contested three over lebron james in game five of 2012
0: coming up on a minute remaining here in game five pierce for three it's good paul pierce from way downtown and boston leads by four
2: that was a i'm trying to remember that exact moment um 2012, right, was the year... It was LeBron's first year with the Heat, right? That was was
1: the second
2: year with the Heat. So that was the year that he did go to the... That he did win the championship. But that was the series where... That
1: that was was right before we were eliminated and a certain controversy that has been in the news lately took flight, if I remember
2: correctly. That was... Did that series go to seven or was it six?
1: Um, No, I don't remember off the top of my
2: head. pretty sure that one went to seven because... There was an amazing Bill Simmons article on that. Yeah, that series went to, to seven games. It was an insane series. And that's because that was LeBron's, like, he had gone to the finals the year before. Or we had won the finals. We had gone to the finals in 2011. We
1: kicked him out the first year of Miami having him. And I really think that between that and us eliminating him in his first round in Cleveland, you know, and Pierce having a big hand in that, this three... A lot of, a lot of Paul Pierce moments really situated Boston in LeBron's mind as not just an obstacle, but a true rival. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel that years later, he would still treat Boston as if it was still Paul Pierce's team in the level of attention he would direct towards crushing the Celtics
2: and I think I was talking about it with Mark last week just the way that the two teams would play even though there was really no relevance because it was near the end of like the Celtics relevance it was always such a great game but it was just always and I was talking to Mark about it last week that I can remember games where like Jeff it would be one of Jeff Green's good games you know but Paul Pierce would still be like he'd be like turning back the clock to play put up like 25 points 30 points or something he was just Playing out of his mind during those games. Even it was, and the one that I remember specifically was like when the Heat had won twenty-something straight games, and they came into the Garden, and
1: oh, you're talking about the Jeff Green last-second three. Yeah,
2: Gerald Wallace will inbound. He's got Jeff Green,
1: Kelly Olmer, Avery Bradley, and the dangerous Jordan Crawford. He tried to hang on and win.
0: This is Green for the win. He did it. Jeff Green wins the game for
1: Boston on
2: a corner three. Yep, it was an amazing game, and Paul Pierce was such a huge part of that. And it was just so it was so much fun to watch because unfortunately that was that was last year that Paul played with the Celtics, and it was just it was such a fun game to watch because it was this back and forth battle between just this younger, more talented Heat team that you know, would end up winning two championships or three championships. It was so much fun to watch, and I, I, would, I loved every minute of it. And it was, yeah, it's sad that that was the end of, of his career with, with the Celtics.
1: Well, Demetrius UK doesn't like to think about that particular year at all, and I understand why. But he had some other gems that he shared with us. Uh, the time that Paul Pierce pushed Vince Carter's bucket backwards back through the hoop, uh, when we were playing Orlando in Game 3 of the, the 2010 East Finals. Clearly, that didn't do anything to the game. It was not even a goaltend because it had already gone all the way through the hoop. But it was, it was definitely a, a very Paul Pierce kind of a thing to do.
2: <laughs> and then the buzzer beater, yeah, obviously. We talked about that a little. Or we talked about at least his Washington memories. But almost everybody mentioned his buzzer beater when he played with... Uh, or this was actually 10 years ago, right? 2007?
1: About that, yeah. I can't awesome. remember exactly what year it was. That was also a favorite of Forever, Forever underscore Green, who absolutely hates Gilbertus Servinas, along with <laughs> you know, half of the Wizards.
2: Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was... See, I, that, I think back to his, his DC shot when he uh, hit it against the Hawks. I called game.
1: The game on the Did you call back?
2: I loved that. And then Twitter blew up after he hit that.
1: Painted Clown12, give a shout out to him. He he had a absolutely fantastic list of,
2: of Paul Pierce moments. It was so fun to read that, just to go through and just like, because especially reading through the comments, I, I wasn't just like, you know, normally you read like comments and you kind of like downplay a bunch of them. But these, every single comment I was looking up, replays, like looking back, just like trying to get those moments, you know, and like see those again which is tough because like not everything is on YouTube or an easy way to find a video or like an article or something. So I was just going back, but these were just like, they were so descriptive and he did such a fantastic job of like setting the scene for every one of his memories. It was honestly, if you get a chance go find this, this comment and read through it. Cause it was just, it was phenomenal.
1: He brought up the, uh, the return from near death after the stabbing that Tony Petit rushed him to the hospital to save his life for. He played 82 games following season. This would happen in the off season in 2000. And he averaged 25 points, six rebounds, and three assists, as well as 11 puncture wounds to his lung, which is, you know, a, a box score total. I hope no other basketball player ever gets again.
2: Yeah, double, double every, every game. Well, that's terrible. Yeah, it is. Moving
1: (laughs) right along. uh, He brought up the aforementioned battles with the Indiana Pacers, uh, with Al Harrington and Ron Artest, which incidentally, um, Painted Clown 12 points out, cost him some teeth, just like another current Celtics legend in the making. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I really hope that the tooth sticks because... You know, I mean, down to the the, the Clippers three-point that he contested, there's some serious, dentally-oriented torch passing. Should we say crown? Passing? That, yeah, yeah,
2: that's, that's a good, yeah, there's a good pot in there, yeah. you got to pass the crown.
1: Oh. <laughs> You're welcome. You guys are never going to let me on the pot again. <laughs> the massive head wound, Harry, post-game appearance. That oh, that was, was, was great. After was a really
2: physical series with those Pacers, he said Jamal Tinsley was trying to claw his face off in the game. That's the bandage. Um, and yeah, you were looking for the, the press conference, right?
1: I could not find it anywhere, but I found some really good quotes, such as, I just lost my cool. It almost cost us. I'm just happy we got the win. I'm pretty much speechless. Sarcastically, I have a broken jaw. This is because I got my face torn off on the last play. And I thought Tinsley should have been kicked out of the game for some of the dirty fouls he gets in the game. I felt like he got a close-handed punch right to my face on the last play. And that's why I overreacted. And uh, for those of you who are interested, that was from the New York Times, from a sprightly young um, journalist, A1 Howard Beck.
2: Uh, there's a throwback. What up, Beck? <laughs> uh, Painted clown 12 says the comeback in 2002 against the New Jersey Nets, then the New Jersey Nets. Which he transcended the realm of mere mortals with an expletive-laden assist from Antoine Walker, a.k.a. The Wiggler.
1: Yeah, let's not forget, you know, I was hinting at this before when we were talking about Indiana, that um,
2: oh, man. Kenny
1: Anderson also dropped five straight points in that comeback, or five straight buckets in that comeback as well. Yeah, that was quite a game, man. Paul Pierce up on the scorer's table. I swear to God it was going to collapse with him on it all rickety and shaken.
2: Yeah, he, like, jumped. I, that's the fact when I feel like they used, like, beer pong tables as the scores. I feel like they did just, like, Basically, put it...
1: Basically, it was one of those <laughs> little slidey
2: plyboard
3: metal
1: yeah. jobbers. Yeah, yep,
2: exactly. Yeah, they just, like, put a uh, like a tablecloth over it to make it look like it was solid.
1: <laughs> you just Yeah,
2: he just stood on that. But, yeah, that was insane.
1: Stern... Uh, coming down and breaking the play and being interviewed and, and saying basketball is back in Boston. That was a big deal. Hey man, 171 what? teams before them went down 19 or more points and had never come back before. They were the first team to do it.
2: I just like, yeah, we're just. I got to keep going. There's too much to talk about. <laughs> Sheer joy when uh, Paul Pierce took to the streets of Italy during the preseason of 2008 with KG Ray Allen, and the teammates who would eventually bring championship back to Boston after a 22-year drought.
1: That's the number. Thank number. you. Cops, well. number.
2: <laughs> 22. So it was 86 then, right? So 86, 2008? Yep. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. One in my lifetime. Looking for two. It's Coming soon. <laughs>
1: Painted Clown also gave us the Game Seven duel with LeBron that harkened back to the Bird versus Wilkins and Russell versus Chamberlain days. Uh, for those of you who don't know what he's talking about, I believe he's referring to the 2008 Eastern Conference Semifinals. Yep, uh, that ended 92 excuse me 97 92. In favor of the Celtics, 41 points for Paul Pierce and 45 for LeBron. And I am not sure because I didn't have time to dig in the crates to figure out exactly whether or not there had been a higher scoring playoff performance in the interim. But I believe that that was the most points anyone has scored uh, since the wonderful treat of Game 2 where IT and John Wall put up, I think it was 94 points collectively,
2: 54 and 40. Uh, That's alright. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> you
1: don't sound too confident, but I, 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 yeah, It's yeah, a no, point or of two off.
2: It's close to that.
1: <laughs> if anybody's super nerdy out there and wants to wants to do some fact checking,
2: there's, uh, there's, see if you can find been,
1: another game like that, though. I don't think there has been. I I, I, I can't think of one. in Nine I, years. Wow. Not since yeah, so I mean the parallels could get pretty spooky here.
2: Yeah, man. Celtics gonna win the championship. They're gonna take down LeBron. Who's our Who's our Paul Pierce this year? I know this is a weird, weird. So it's segue. gotta be
1: it. It's gotta be it.
2: Well oh, for the scoring, sure, but like but for the role, it's gotta be like I I don't even know Jonas Rebco.
1: Sure, <laughs> why not the Swedish the Swedish Larry Bird? He can be. Me.
2: I was not that was not serious, by the way. In case anybody is worried that I believe Jonas Rebco is anything close to Paul Pierce,
1: maybe maybe Al Horford, at least the last game.
2: Okay, yeah, no, that's actually much better. I like that. But, you know, going back to that
1: that duel between LeBron and Paul Pierce, you know, that game was not all roses. There was the moment where Pierce went flying into the stanchion in the cameraman, and I was sure that he was going to end up having to miss some time. He looked like he just, like, took all kinds of contact from everything around him. In fact, I was kind of worried about the cameraman.
2: (laughs) Those guys are durable. They're used to it. (laughs)
1: LeBron actually had a quote from that game that I dug up, where he said, Paul Pierce is one of my favorite players. As a fan, when I watch Paul Pierce, I love the way he plays the game of basketball. I love going against the best, and Paul Pierce is one of those guys. We are both trying to will our team to victory, and just like Dominique Wilkins, I ended up on the short end. The Celtics won again.
2: Yeah, and he, pretty, uh
1: Pretty humble words coming from somebody like that.
2: Yeah, and was, was his response... So he had said... Uh, the thing with the playoffs is that it's so stressful because you're on an emotional high, then an emotional low every other day. You get a win, you go in feeling good about yourselves, and you lose, and it's like, what can you do to be better? To end it on the note, that, to end it on that note and advance, our heads are high. Hopefully, we go into the next series and play a little bit better basketball on a consistent basis, especially on the road. That was en route to the championship, so yeah. seems like that kind of came out. And uh, definitely played better on a consistent basis. <laughs> I mean, I, that, good advice, that, man. I guess, I guess maybe he's right. Maybe the games on the games on the road were a little bit harder to to win. But
1: well, I'll you tell know. you what, I'm going to eat my shoe if this advice is something that could have come out of Isaiah after getting past LeBron.
2: I think it's something he used to say after they get past the Wizards. Knock on wood.
1: That's what I'm saying. I'll eat my shoe for. Yeah. Not to, not to disappoint any of you guys, I, I think that's all, certainly possible. I just don't think it's very likely.
2: Now the Cavs are rolling hard. <laughs> it's not looking good for, for the Celtics. It's not good for decisions. anybody
1: who are not on the Golden State Warriors or the Cavs right now. But anything is possible. Anything is
2: possible. His dominant MVP performance in the 2008 finals is another.
1: <laughs> Painted Clown, 12 still
2: still rolling there's just more. Like the wait there's more his tears of appreciation during 2009's ring ceremony Who
1: you really like tears tears of joy
2: <laughs> and then watching, okay
1: we like them too
2: <laughs> watching him give his all and then some in a desperate but unsuccessful game seven of the 2010 finals against the hated lakers that was hard that was that was a tough series that was a really tough series because that's just, that, I, I was just unstoppable, Kobe Bryant, it felt like back when. He also,
1: was one more from Painted Clown 12. I'm, I'm calling you Painted Clown. I'm sorry if that's too familiar. I can say Painted Clown 12, if that's okay. better. Just let us know. Just about every game he ever played against the Knicks. And going oh, back to the hat.
2: Including the Spike Lee hat one, yeah.
1: yeah. Tyler Womack, who was a regular commenter. Says yes, so many memories. I'm 27 now, but back in the ninth grade, I got into a fist fight with a Laker fan. That is dedication, by the way. Over Paul Pierce versus Kobe, unbelievable. Again, channeling that wonderful series of 2010. I'm, I'm assuming. I'm from Virginia and came 11 hours away to see Paul Pierce's last game at the Garden. So he was there with with uh, Josh.
2: Ah, uh, it's not fair.
1: Hey man, he drove eleven hours. That's almost as long as I would have to go by flight. By air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Yeah. It takes a long time the way the flights work out of Mexico. It was his first time in Beat Town, and Womack says when he hit that deep three pointer to close it out storybook ending, and that's the truth number thirty four.
2: Yeah, we should start th- is it hashtag truth thirty four thing? Because that absolutely should be. It should be. But no, that was actually I that was a and that is what I was saying earlier that storybook ending is the perfect way to describe it. Just how he closed out his career in Boston with that fantastic three. Yeah, Womack. Yeah, Draymond
1: Green's comment saying you ain't no Kobe. Well, so what? I mean, Paul Pierce leaving the game of basketball didn't cripple his team for multiple years, if not longer, and wasn't this long dragged out? No offense to my Kobe fan friend fan friends out there, but the way that that Pierce went out compared to the way that Kobe went out for example like I'll take that any day of the week i mean oh, yeah. every 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 part of it benefited the Celtics it might not have been the way that Pierce wanted to leave but you know taking one for the team literally and ending up playing for the Brooklyn Nets so that way his team can be better positioned long term that must have been a
2: really hard conversation well it's better for basketball fans as a whole, I don't know any fan who would rather see what happened to the Lakers with Kobe Bryant. I don't think any fan would like to see that again with any team. And I think Melo said it back in like 2011, where he said, or no, it must have been later, it must have been 2013 or 2014, but he said that the Knicks, the Lakers, and the Celtics need to be good teams, because that, that matters to basketball. They're like, powerhouse teams need to be good teams. They're like, one or two of them need to be. And if the Celtics had kept Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and started to kind of succumb to age and, you know, having to pay these legacy costs to these guys, they would have ended the way, the same way the Lakers have, and right now still be rebuilding in a longer term rebuild that, you know, it honors the memory of these players who mean so much to the franchise. But, you know, the fact that basketball was able to find roles for these guys, that Kevin Garnett was able to retire with his Timberwolves that he started with, that, Paul Pierce was able to contribute on I don't know if you can describe them as contenders, but they should be contenders, but that he was able to contribute on that team. It means They're so contenders. much to people. So
1: the, the, the first couple of years that Pierce was with the Clippers, the, the things that ended up getting them bounced had nothing to do with performance and everything to do with bad luck, so
2: it's uh it's absolutely better for basketball, better for our franchise, better for fans across the league. And you know, that that I think means so much more than that a farewell tour with your the team that drafted you, that you won your championship with, that you that you wear the ring from, I think that means so much more.
1: I agree. There's also been a lot of favorite movement moments for people after he left Boston.
2: Should we keep going is with he, painted maybe, clown first?
1: Um, yeah, let's let just keep going with painted clown.
2: <laughs> okay, well, we'll start with with uh in DC, Pierre's saying this is why they brought me here after he uh had some huge performances as a wizard against the Raptors and then the Hawks and, you know, all that stuff Um, in the playoffs that we talked about at the I called game shot buzzer beater against the Hawks off the backboard. Um, And then he said his tearful farewell to the garden faithful as a Clipper back on February 5th this year, which was like we said, just storybook ending.
1: New Jersey Celtic brought up the long three at the buzzer that Pierce made versus Boston uh, as a clipper last February. It didn't count. It was after the buzzer. Thomas trying to crowd her open. Short with the three. Pierce.
3: <laughs>
1: Paul Pierce from about ten feet the other side of half court. It won't count, but It's Paul Pierce. Come on. Who cares? Number 34 is in the house. But it was still pretty cool. Yep.
2: Definitely give that that a gander. Was that a... That was like during the second quarter? Was that halftime? When was the actual shot that he hit? I don't remember when it
1: was in the game It was early in February uh, I want to say it was at halftime But it could have been in the first quarter First quarter to second quarter
2: buzzer all So I can't remember And then Dimitris UK brought up more A little bit too excited playing for Brooklyn And after an and one Threw the ball in over his shoulder <laughs> yeah, That was great <laughs> Hey there's your Brooklyn one There you go you got one Oh yeah, you're right. I did. Thank you, Demetrius. <laughs> then, that was that was he was jawing.
1: That was versus uh Philadelphia, I think. And I think he was jawing it up
2: with Evan Turner of all people. Oh, dude, I miss Evan Turner. I Me do. too. Uh, best, and that best post game interviews. Yeah, it, best interviews in general. And then after actually earlier this season, when he tried to throw it down and ended up getting blocked by the rim, he just oh, like sprawled out. Weighed, like, yeah, that was great. Starfished on the hardwood, and Chris Paul came over and like started doing the the like staying alive thing to his chest, the CPR. Oh, cut. CP3
1: doing CPR. Yep. <laughs> oh. Stolen by Paul Pierce, running with him. Paul goes behind the back. Pierce misses on the jam, and he was pushed from behind. Paul Pierce smiling, <laughs> and they're Chris making Paul. sure that the heart is working. <laughs>
0: Chris Paul giving him CPR without the mouth to mouth, just trying to
1: resuscitate his heart. And that CPR from CP3. <laughs> <laughs> one pump, <laughs> two pump, <laughs> three pump.
2: Yeah, that was. I loved that. That was great. That I, that's that's a fun team to watch for reasons like that, or was a fun team to watch for reasons like that. But, one out for the Clippers. Yeah, yep.
1: So Eric Van de Castle I'm going to use his full name Just because I'm a jerk It's my Washington buddy He was talking about how they are a One season Wizards hero for life So even when we can't agree On who is going to win this series And who the better player leading their team is We can agree that Paul Pierce is the bee's knees
2: Yeah that's fair I'll accept bee's knees That's a fair description (laughs) of course Bees, bees,
1: both are great. And Paul Pierce,
2: you're fun. <laughs> you're you're fun, Justin Quinn.
1: That's that's a, that's a nice word, but I mean, we know what you really mean.
2: All right, favorite okay. thoughts. Uh, Vegan Sean. Yep. Is that, all right, Vegan Sean. That's, that's his Twitter handle. Says that he've loved he's loved Paul Pierce's game since Kansas, within an era of seemingly unprecedented unla- athleticism. Russ, Giannis, LeBron. Paul brought that YMCA old man game every night in Gap Buckets. He'll always be my favorite Celtic. Sorry, Scal.
1: <laughs> you know, speaking speaking of athletic guards, I, I kinda of feel that uh he's gonna take Kyrie's job as as the the old basketball guy in commercials, except oh, he, yeah. he, won't, he won't need any makeup.
2: Is it Uncle Drew? What's the trying, yep. yeah, I forget. Yeah, yep. I could see yep. it. It's, although to my knowledge, he's not a very good actor. Or maybe he is. Yeah, we just don't know it. <laughs> the, I don't know.
1: I mean, somebody who likes cartoons or cartoons, someone who likes costumes as much as Paul Pierce, he's gotta have the bug somewhere.
2: So vegan Sean. I don't typically agree with vegans, but totally on par with it uh, with vegan Sean right there. The way that what he brought to the to the league. Because he wasn't you know, he was probably one of the most clutch Celtics of my lifetime. Probably. And just you know that he was we we so many of these memories were daggers, these like threes that he put in at the buzzer in clutch game moments, stuff like that. And then he brought that you know that he was able to bring that every single game. His like fadeaway threes that he would hit every single game, just unbelievable.
1: Well, he'll always be Sean's favorite Celtic, and he apologized. He apologized to Brian Scalabrine.
2: I have to apologize to Sean for hating on vegans.
1: <laughs> no, it's okay. We all have our our hot button issues. (laughs) Michael S. mentioned that something kind of similar, um, and I quote, Paul Pierce appeared so unathletic to me, and that was a big part of what I liked about him. He always looked like he was moving more slowly than everyone else on the court, and he did. I'll agree with that. Like he was stuck in some mild slow motion. His movements came across as awkward and jerky. He didn't seem to be able to jump very high. I used to wonder how he could ever get by a defender or shoot over one, but he was an assassin. Yep. And, you know, I'm a terrible basketball player, but the only reason that I can even play a pickup game is, is modeling my game after Pierce.
2: I just go for the, the Rajan Rondo, pass first point guard.
1: <laughs> like, you know, you, you, you can't get caught with a turnover if you don't have the ball. <laughs> if you're tired of hearing our voices, or at least Topher's. Sorry, Topher.
2: (laughs) That's fair. I understand it.
1: We decided we would bring in, you know, some other voices for you to hear. So let's jump to those. I'm here with a friend of the pod who in recent days, as I've mentioned elsewhere in the pod so far, our relationship could have become a little strained given the fact that he is a diehard Washington Wizards fan and particularly an Otto Porter fan. So you can imagine, you know, things could be a little tense, but, you know, he's he's a real stand-up guy and I like to think that I am. And, you know, we do have one thing in common that unites us in our basketball fandom. And that's the point of this pod, Paul Pierce. And this mystery person is Eric. Hi, Eric. Hey, how's it going? I think y'all are going to win at home. Uh,
4: Hopefully. It looks like like they're going to do that, just going to repeat the, you know, the home teams won every game. It seems like it's not going to break that pattern.
1: Yeah. for You know, I'm not saying I want it to happen, but you guys are going to have to do something fantastic if that's the the course that the series ends up taking because – we have one more home game in you guys. Uh, well... <laughs> yeah, that's... Can't fight can't the math. But, that said, that's in the future. We're not here to predict it. No. What we are here to talk about, dearly beloved, is our love for Paul Pierce. The truth. Probably a stupid question, because I think I know the answer, but how did you become a Paul Pierce fan? Maybe you'll maybe surprise me.
4: I started knowing about Paul Pierce when... Boston traded him to the Nets because that's when I really started paying attention to basketball more. I was introduced to him as robbing the Nets, which I always thought was hilarious. Um, and then he came to the Wizards and just saved up his minutes to play stretch four in the playoffs for Randy Whitman, save Randy Whitman's job, and get the Wizards to the uh I guess only the second round, but... Almost, almost the third. If if John Wall hadn't broken his hand, uh, I definitely think the Wizards could have at least gotten a game from the Cavs.
1: Yeah, instead of I, getting, I don't doubt that at all, to be honest.
4: Uh, getting swept like the Hawks.
1: All of Pierce's time with the Wizards, or in general, you know, I'm not going to put you in a box... I know you appreciate basketball as a whole and not just as a Wizards fan, as rabbit of a Wizards fan as you are. Do you have a favorite memory of Paul Pierce?
4: Him not winning the game for us or not, not sending the game to overtime, in game six of that Hawks series, when he, when he didn't get the shot off in time. That's probably my favorite on court memory just because it stands out. So, you know, that was his last. His last seconds in a wizard uniform. But there was also an interview where he, that year, where he just took so much trash on the net and had such nice things to say about Bradley Beale and John Wall. And I thought that was a very. Cool, classy move of a, of a veteran player, clear Hall of Famer.
1: That would be the incident where he was basically calling on some of his former teammates for the level of energy, putting them, you know, behind the scenes and maybe talking about some of the tensions on the team. Yes. Yeah, that was that was one of my favorite. Yeah, that was definitely one of my more favorite moments of him away from the Celtics. He was really in a position where he could just speak his mind at that point in time, and honestly, I actually think it made the Wizards better going forward.
4: Yeah, that that sort of veteran fire that Gortat had been lacking and has sort of been providing them lately.
1: Oh, he called your whole team out this year, man, when you guys were like 2-8 and eight and, you know... Bill Simmons was talking about blowing the team up and getting what you can for wall. Like he, I think that, you know, Gortat came around and you know, you could credit Pierce for that, but that really saved the season in my opinion for you guys.
4: I think it's also a lot to do with Scott Brooks, because I know when we had Randy Whitman coaching the team, Gortat was not happy. And now, now that they've got Scott and Brooks like a, An actually decent coach he seems to be a lot more engaged and bought in
1: well scotty brooks is a huge upgrade in terms of coaching i I do take some issues with his reluctance to try new things i think it may have cost you guys the last game i'm not complaining but (laughs) overall i think he's a huge upgrade as coach and i think if you guys can find one more piece you guys will really be pissing me off next year (laughs)
4: Oh, certainly. Uh, I think even with I know Ubre, if if Ubre keeps developing, he's he's gonna be he's gonna make quite quite the trouble for everyone else. Well,
1: as long as he can can deal with some some hard screens from uh, so-called dirty players. <laughs> you only have to you only have to take it once. So while we're talking about that, what are your thoughts on Kelly Olynyk from from a completely polarized perspective?
4: Oh, I mean, he's certainly in the wrong place at the right time a lot with uh, you know if that's it's
1: fair, not. That's fair. <laughs> uh, I mean I attribute that to him being a gangly seven foot point guard who woke up in a power forward's body I, so,
4: you say potato eventually i that's uh, going to get uh, kind of old <laughs> yeah he, he can like like Draymond his antics can grate
1: Can great? Oh, they do great. I I keep an eye on you guys, not just you guys in particular, like Wizards fans. You know, we have this series called Green Envy where we repost the comments of whoever the Celtics beat the night before. And Kelly Kelly Olenek ripping has become quite the sport of late. I I do think there's a little bit of something to it, but I mean, if you look at the numbers of... You know, comparing Draymond Green and, and um, inside the NBA, I think had a graphic pretty recently, and it's a, it's a pretty stark comparison. I mean, of all the people in the NBA to be bringing that up, I think it should have been somebody on the Wizards, not Draymond Green. I mean,
4: yeah, but also I think I I just you know the the numbers comparison, dirty is an eye test, not a there's no there's no <laughs> metrics on how dirty a player is.
1: Oh, sure. But I mean, if you're going to if you're going to cry, that was a basketball play when you've been ejected double digits. and <laughs> sick, It really kind of erodes whatever kind of, you know, that was a natural basketball motion argument you might be making.
4: Yeah. And uh, Draymond is is the king of it was a basketball motion.
1: Indeed. Well, Eric, I won't keep you for too long. I know that you've got a busy schedule. I really thank you for coming on the pod. Hope to have you back soon. So I'm here with my old friend, Tom Breen. We grew up in the same town of Manchester, Connecticut together. And from a pretty early age, we shared an interest in writing. We worked together on some fanzines in our teens, dealing with punk rock and all kinds of other fun stuff locally, politics and whatnot. And Tom continued his career with the Associated Press uh, and is now with the University of Connecticut. And I took a more circuitous route to Basketball journalism by way of becoming an outrageous addict to basketball. I mean, when I was friends with Tom, when we were growing up, I was a very big basketball fan then too, but not anywhere near the left lineman now, as you might guess. Um, Tom,
0: how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you?
1: Uh, a little tired, but it's been a long day. Happy with the way things have been going for the Celtics lately. Yes. So we're here talking about Paul Pierce on this podcast, uh, trying to get a picture of how his fans have been taking the long view of his career and his retirement. And so I couldn't think of another person who I'd rather talk to about that than someone I've known as long as you. So um, what are your thoughts on Paul Pierce's retirement
0: this year? I, I, you know, obviously he hasn't been with the team for a few years. Uh, and it's, you know, in some ways, it's sort of like the end of a very specific period in my life as a basketball fan. I mean, I was, I was still a young man when he started playing. Actually, I remember him at Kansas, uh, even before he was a pro. And, um, really feel like, you know, a lot has happened in my life. I can kind of track that with Paul Pierce's time, uh, in basketball. So it, you know, it's sort of the, the end of, of, Great players who are like my age. Now everybody's younger, which is probably.
1: Yes, it is. It makes me feel, you know, my age. Yeah. Do you have a particular moment that cemented him in your fandom? You know, like anything that stands out from, you know, even his college career, never mind um, his time with the Celtics or, you know, his time with the Wizards? Probably not with Brooklyn, I'm guessing, but you never know. Oh. <laughs>
0: yeah, not so much with Brooklyn. Um, I mean, I was a big fan forever, but for me, like I always keep coming back to uh, Game One of the Finals in two thousand eight, when he was hurt in the third quarter, and uh, I mean, it looked like it was pretty bad, and it was just like this, like my heart sank. It was just this awful moment where, like, oh no, and then he comes back and scores like fifteen points, like that. I mean, he had been like Mister Celtic for a long time by that point, but that was really to me that's when he stood up on the podium with you know bird and uh and Reggie Lewis and all the guys who had carried the mantle of the team I mean uh like it every I mean and he had such a great career but for me that game that moment wasn't the decisive game obviously game 1 but like that to me will always be the Paul Pierce moment
1: kind of passing of the torch moment
0: yeah absolutely there,
1: there was there was one of those pretty recently too when um he played his final game in Boston for the Clippers to me Uh, We have mentioned this elsewhere in the pod. The the launching of the three at the end of the game that went in and being guarded by Isaiah Thomas, who, like Paul Pierce, smashed his face in for the Celtics, literally. It was a a pretty good moment. What do you think uh, Paul has planned for the future, if anything?
0: I don't know. I mean, um, I I would like to see him, obviously, continue in basketball in some way. I think sort of the world is his oyster. You know, I always want to see guys – maybe try their hand at coaching. It's obviously just being a great player doesn't mean you're going to be a great coach, but um, there's an opportunity there. And at the very least, I'm sure we're going to see him on some kind of sports programming uh, as as an analyst.
1: I hope so. I I hope hope so. so. His commentary is always spot on. If you could get into the mind of Paul Pierce for me again, do you think that he would be more into returning to Boston or do you think that – Los Angeles his hometown would be kind of more of a natural place to go as an assistant coach or do you think he would maybe try to do something kind of you know more like Kevin Garnett and be kind of more like a specific kind of um, positional coach or like like where, where do you where do you think his best fit would be
0: well they could they could certainly use him in LA more than Boston right now right I mean in terms of uh,
1: uh, assistant coaching well they need a shooting coach but I, I'm as much as I love him I no, I mean, he's, he's always been a great shot, but I think I'd rather hire an established shooting coach for Boston. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know.
0: I, I, I think uh, he right now I think he's probably better off going with a team that sort of needs a, needs a big boost, you know, maybe a team that is not in the playoffs and a team that could use somebody who has respect from guys all over the league uh, and also the team that needs to turn things around.
1: So, Particularly as a Connecticut Celtics fan, and especially, even more so than me as a University of Connecticut employee, um, you can, you can pass on this question too if it's, if it's too difficult, uh, because of work. But recently, Pierce and the rest of the 2008 Celtics squad had that, uh, reunion on Garnett's Area 21, and Ray Allen was a particularly you know, it was the elephant in the room that had worked its way into the conversation of the show. And I was actually earnestly surprised by their response. I really thought that they were going to take a much more petty uh, point of view with Ray's leaving. And it seems to me that the way they were looking at it, Is they're over being hurt from where he went and are mostly just waiting for him to mend the fences on how he went, the lack of communication. I was wondering what your thoughts on the situation
3: might be.
0: You know, I'm always, I will always be loyal to Ray Allen. I mean, just because of uh, his years at UConn. And I don't know what went on. You know, I don't know who didn't call who or whatever. I have no reason to doubt their account of it. I think that was, people were just so upset because the Heat were like the big Eastern Conference rivals and people saw that as like a, a particularly serious betrayal. I mean, it didn't bother me all that much. I understand why people, you know, it's not like the old days. People don't spend their entire career on one team. Um, I would like to see all those guys be friends again because they really did have something special in Boston. I think it's it's a shame that they're not all talking uh, and I kind of hope maybe this will be the catalyst that leads them all to just get together and talk it out. and and uh, get back together.
1: Yeah, I agree. I have the same same divided loyalties. And the way that I feel now is that they've, they have they took the high road and they gave him the opportunity. There was a little bit of a kerfuffle on his Facebook page. Um, supposedly an intern posted an image of him posting up on Rondo in a heat uniform the day after Area 21 and that he had nothing to do with it. I'll, I'll go ahead and believe it. Uh, I, don't, I don't need to dissect every particular aspect of it, but like you, I, I really have been you know, not, too, not so thrilled with the exit and not so thrilled with having to kind of feel like I need to cape for him. But like you, I'm pretty optimistic.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think people will. And, and, and I mean, like Rondo was just playing against them in the playoffs not long ago. So it's not like all these guys are you know Celtic born and Celtic bred, and when they die, they'll be Celtic dead. I mean, people move around the league. <laughs> Not the end of the world.
1: That was great, man. That was poetic. I really like that.
0: <laughs> I may have to steal that. Please feel free.
1: Well, I don't want to keep you too long because it's pretty late when we're recording this, but um, thank you for coming on, and maybe we'll have you back sometime if you're ever up for it. I would love it. All right. Thanks, Tom. My pleasure. So I'm here with Josh Coyne, our overseas Celtics Life uh, correspondent in the United Kingdom. As some of you know, I am talking to y'all from Mexico City, where I ended up um, after my dissertation research, uh, kind of enamored with the place, as I imagine you are with the United Kingdom. Josh, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. We're both the uh, foreign Celtics. Absolutely. I thought that maybe we could take a a second to talk about Celtics fandom as it relates to Paul Pierce, the subject of today's podcast, uh, through the lens of being a Celtics fan that's not from New England, because, I mean, they're the home team for a lot of us, and, and that's how I found them personally, but I walk around the streets of Mexico City, and you would be surprised how many people I see in Celtics jerseys. I don't have too many conversations about, you know, what's going on with the current Celtics when I talk to people, but. Inevitably, if I if I start a talk with someone on the metro, the conversation ends up on Paul Pierce. And I'm just wondering what your what your thoughts are as a, as an individual, and, and based on what your knowledge of Celtics fandom is overseas in the United Kingdom, what people think about Paul Pierce and what you think about Paul Pierce, what your favorite memories are, anything like that.
3: Okay, well, firstly, I'll say that um, it's similar over here. You know, I will see a lot of you know Celtics jerseys, but I'm unlikely to start a conversation with anyone about whether. Uh, Gershwan Ab- Yabusele is going to be stashed next year. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's usually quite the the basic primitive stuff, but uh, yeah. When I was young, uh, I became a Celtics fan by proxy uh, because of my dad's interest in basketball, his Irish roots, maybe some 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 stuff like that. Um, I became familiar with uh, Larry Bird and '80 Celtics, and you know, I was also educated on Celtics folklore. Um, but the first contemporary player, really, I mean, it was close between him and. The, the great Scott Pollard, um, they grabbed my attention. <laughs> was also not invited to the reunion, by the way. <laughs> it was between those two guys. Uh, they grabbed my attention. I'm only kidding. Obviously, Paul Pierce grabbed my attention. He kind of made me obsessed with the game, um, which is quite a big commitment, really, overseas in the United Kingdom because, I mean, you're watching games in the early hours of the morning. You're compromising sleep. You're compromising how you feel the next day at work or school. Uh, That that guy was always Paul Pierce for me, you know, and I think it really was because he went against the grain of what I believe a basketball player should really look like and should really be. You know, he's kind of doughy. Um, He had what Jason Concepcion of the Ringer would call uh, round face syndrome. Um, (laughs) And uh, I just loved his backstory. Real quick,
1: just in case uh, people don't necessarily know what you mean.
3: Yeah, so round face syndrome is essentially a deceivingly chubby faced uh, athlete who makes his round face, makes him look more out of shape uh, than he actually is. Because Bull Pierce is actually a pretty well conditioned athlete, but his um, round face, as Jason Conception of The Ringer uh, uh, calls it, made him look more out of shape than he is. Uh, so he was always kind of un- unfairly tagged with the kind of out of shape uh, label, I think.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate what some people might call his old man's game. And probably, you know, I'm I'm kind of tall. I'm 6'2", so I don't really relate to Isaiah Thomas the way a lot of people are relating to him now as, you know, being able to look at him and see him go off and, and see themselves maybe being able to do that. As unrealistic as we all know that is, we've all kind of had those emails. One day we'll, we'll be a walk-on we'll just blow them out of the world and yada, yada, yada. Everybody has those that's into basketball,
3: I think. Absolutely. I mean, it's encouraging. I mean, you, you, you watch someone like Isaiah and, you know, short guys will be, you know, enthused by watching him because they think they've got a chance. But If you watch Paul Pierce, then uh, I know he obviously is gifted size-wise, but um, he he does most of what he did with fantastic footwork. His footwork was key for Paul Pierce, uh, and anyone can practice that, you know. So that's encouraging for a lot of young guys who watch Paul Pierce. They probably learn a lot, and it's encouraging for people to think, you know, what maybe I will have a chance um, in in the game. But uh, with Paul, I, I also just loved his backstory. Um, that, I remember immediately looking into him, kind of when I first uh, started to get into that kind of obsessive level of fandom. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, the the stabbing story, the way he was so tough, and came back and played virtually straight away. Good that was so games. interesting to me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and and just the way he could make shots when he needed to. He was just a, a character that the team needed so badly.
1: No fear in that man's game. He definitely had the number when you called it.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, he had that some – a lot of people will talk about 08 and the swagger he had in that. But even for years after that, and obviously years before, but even years after that, I mean, the next year, the the playoff battles against the Chicago Bulls were some of my favorite kind of basketball um, memories, really, in terms of fandom. Just just watching it was from, – from over here was just amazing. I was, I was amazed. Obviously, that's a big series for Ray Allen, but just the swagger of Paul Pierce just got me kind of so um, – yeah, I was just obsessed. Well,
1: if you could narrow down, if you could narrow down to one or two particular moments, what would you say were your absolute all-time favorite Paul Pierce moments?
3: Okay, so um, I'm going to go to a moment that I I can almost guarantee that someone's already mentioned this, um, so I'm sorry about that. But I'm going to say that the, uh, and obviously I didn't watch this in real time, but um, the Al Harrington, is it, yeah, Al Harrington?
1: Oh, you're stealing mine! That's my wow. favorite! Yeah, the 2003 playoffs where he just drains the three in his face. He, like, looks at him. is he's like, you see his lips moving. I don't know what he said, but to me it seemed like he was going to like, I'm going to sick it now, kind of like a Larry Bird kind of a fashion.
3: Yeah, I think he was, I think he, I think what the technical term is, is that he looked into his soul, <laughs> um, and then took away his soul after he made that shot it was It was oh, yeah. pretty incredible, um, also the battles with uh, Lebron, uh, I think that you know for a long time in lebron 's career, you know probably you know the majority of lebron 's career he 's been virtually an unstoppable train, and I think only people have been able to kind of slow that train down and one of those is Paul Pierce. I think he was a bit of a uh, bogey matchup for for Le- LeBron for such a long time uh, and hit their battles. I mean, if you go on YouTube and you, you search LeBron versus Paul Pierce, it's some of the most entertaining kind of one-on-one stuff you'll ever see. Um, uh, and, and another reason for just, just generally loving Paul Pierce is the nickname. So we've got Shaquille O'Neal to think for the, thank for that. It's just a real statement nickname.
1: Well, I know you've got a bunch of stuff going on. I don't want to keep you too long, but anything else you want to say about Paul Pierce before we let you go?
3: I'm going to say a couple of things. I'm going to say that um, my favorite, one of my favorite live events I've ever seen sporting-wise was uh, when I was there in February. Uh, and I was there for Paul Pierce's last game at the Garden. Um, you know, it was an electric atmosphere, genuinely emotional at times. Um, you know, you get fully wrapped up in it and I received a free uh, Paul Pierce tribute headband that I'll probably never wear because I'll look like a character from Semi-Pro, but I will (laughs) hoard it for years due to, you know, sentimental value. And I have a question to ask you. Sure. And that's, what do you think is next for Paul Pierce? Do you think it's coaching, media personality, or do you think it's selling wheelchairs? I don't know. Any kind of (laughs) Well,
1: the wheelchair game is my default favourite moment besides... The Harrington three, uh, only only for camp value, only for the, the psychological warfare it waged. Um, but as far as what he's going to be doing next, that's a really hard thing for me to predict. Uh, a lot like Garnett, I can't see him stepping away from the game uh, in a very real and sort of a way. But I do see some kind of future if not in broadcasting as an associate coach i don't really see him making a leap right to head coach out the gate i kind of feel like he'd want to get get his feet wet first and get a feel for it i think he would be capable but i think he would be better if he took some time and learned that end of the game a little more on the job than on the fly and kind of a uh, Jason Kidd sort of way. I don't necessarily know if he will ever actually be a coach, but uh, I do, I do see him sticking around. Probably the most realistic path for me is some kind of an analyst position.
3: Yeah, I I mean, I agree about going too quickly into the position. I mean, Jason Kidd's actually quite a good. Uh, example of it I think the the kind of worst case scenario would be someone like Derek Fisher who we haven't seen uh, since he received a visit from Matt Barnes
1: well that's a big part of the reason why Fisher failed too is because he kind of tried to keep going at it like he was the head of the Players Association in the face of of a championship pedigree team when really he was you know head of a very bad team with a very, with basically a guy who thought who 10 times out of himself as a boss. So that was, that was doomed to failure. And I think if he had picked a different position to be a coach, because he wasn't a bad coach, he just had to, you know, deal with somebody trying to tell him to do the triangle.
3: I so, mean, that's, I mean, you, if you take that job, we've already seen that anyone who takes the job is kind of signing up for a couple of years of, you know, hell. Frustration. Yeah, hell. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I, I really think that uh, if Pierce does get into coaching, it's going to be for the right kind of position. Um, He could be somebody I could see as a long-term replacement in Los Angeles for Doc, should that ever open up. I really think, though, it would be more realistic to see him uh, as a Wizards, a Celtics, maybe even a Brooklyn, though I really doubt it, assistant coach first.
3: Yeah. It would be really nice to see him part of Stephen's team, but, you know, that's possibly an overly romantic thing. Um, As long as he doesn't kind of end up doing what Leon Poe is doing now, and that's essentially just running the halftime show for loads of kids, uh, which is kind of, I mean, he's getting those checks, but, you know, we don't want to see that fate for a legend.
1: Well, thanks for coming on and giving us your two cents. I think it's important for us to have a varied perspective. And, yeah, we'll have some more uh, content for you for Paul Pierce coming all summer long.
3: Okay. And, you know, sincere apologies for my cat meowing in the background and happy happy retirement truth.
1: Absolutely. No worries to the cat. He's just voicing his support, too. So last things first, or first things last, or, well, you know what I mean. We've got some promo to discuss, some things in the work. Uh, the... Earlier mentioned Danielle Hobeka is collecting the year's funniest Celtics bloopers. So if you have any ideas that you can think of, definitely forward them to her. You can get her on Twitter at as I mentioned earlier at D H O B E I K A D Hobaika on Twitter, or you can get Ahold of her on Gmail, same thing, d-h-o-b-e-i-k-a at gmail.com, preferably with a link to a video clip because, you know, this is a, a blooper collection article. So dig them up, get them to us. And besides that, I am working on the draft-oriented stuff. We just had y'all vote on what we are going to do in the incredibly unlikely possibility of us keeping the the Boston pick and not doing the Brooklyn swap? Why do you now, say a it? lot of you guys? Oh. Some people initially misunderstood that, and it's understandable because realistically, it's just not going to happen. But
2: I just misunderstood that. There, why we why why would we keep our pick?
1: Well, as I explained in the article. There's always the possibility that Brooklyn will have something that someone else wants, whether it's cap space to absorb a bad salary that we don't have, or maybe a Lopez or maybe a Lynn. You never know. It's not going to happen. I'm just going to say it right now. There's zero here. chance, but technically it is possible and we could end up selecting there. So we covered it. Uh, I will give you a little bit of analysis Uh in addition to what we've already broken down in the, the first half of the article, for those of you who aren't familiar, basically how it's been working is we offer up four people shown in mocks, four prospects that might end up falling in a range the Celtics will pick. There's no way to know this stuff. I mean it's really difficult to predict these things. But we you know we use like Draft Express and some of the other better mocks out there. And from that, you guys vote on the person who thinks you think will be the best potential option available, basically putting together something to familiarize ourselves together as a, as a kind of a hive mind on all potential draft prospects. And we could see a lot of movement with the combine coming up, Also, you can expect in the next week to two weeks at the very most, the final edition of that series where we talk about who will be taking with the Brooklyn pick, because I'm pretty sure we're going to keep it.
2: And we'll also know where it falls in. That's exactly
1: why I've waited this long to do it.
2: Yep. We know where it falls. What's the
1: point of trying to project it? If we, I mean, if it falls, if it falls to four there, we might end up dealing it or trying to trade, trade backwards and get two, two picks in a slightly, further back range, particularly if someone like Sacramento ends up high enough in the lottery that it's interesting for us or, and this is, I'm sorry, Laker fans, but I'm really, this is my own personal hope that, uh, the Lakers lose their pick to the 76ers and then we get two potential lottery picks we could trade with the 76ers who could really use some front court talent. Besides that, Topher Lane is working on an interesting wrinkle Born out of some Kelly on Kelly violence, the <laughs> gift that keeps on giving in terms of content.
2: Well, it's got to be a response to Draymond Green's, like, oh, well, Kelly Olinick is a der- Draymond Green saying Kelly Olinick is a Draymond
1: Green. From- Are you Two kidding? Me? Ejections to how many from Kelly this year? Zero?
2: Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. How
1: many? I think Kelly has gotten six texts all year. Uh, Draymond double digits on that as well. Uh, inside the NBA, I think, had, had a nice little graphic that I'm drawing on from the back of my head somewhere. But I digress. I'm jumping all over your your, your hashtag. I need
2: to Tell make a me. hashtag. Hashtag dirtier than Kelly Olenek. And I want to put down stuff like a quality Disney movie or fresh linens because it's not dirty. It's going to be fun. <laughs> we're going to have a good time. We're going to enjoy it. It's going to be a great time. We're going to just tweet at it, put the hashtag. We'll read some on the next podcast if we get some good ones. Otherwise, it's just going to be me and my stupid ideas but whatever if you guys laugh at them that's all that matters maybe we'll make an article too if we get good ones so
1: don't disappoint this is yeah. this is great we need give humor. give us your best the dirtier than kelly Olenek. hashtag ideas what is dirtier than kelly Olenek? and if you give if us. you
2: honestly think he's a dirty player then you could put whatever you want i don't really care it's your Write call it <laughs> it's your call it's entirely up to you go twitter do your thing So
1: besides that, make sure you check the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. As you know, I hope, by now, we have a huge variety of shirts, also hoodies, though I'm imagining you're going to need less of those in the summer. You might want to stock up and get the good ones before they run out. You can also get tickets to the next game, and who knows how many of those we've got coming, so jump on that. It's under the incredibly hard-to-remember heading Tickets. And you can find the pod on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcatcher apps. Subscribe, and you'll never miss this ranting or any of our wonderful voices. If you like what you hear, make sure you rate us five stars. That really helps us get more people out there that bounce their ideas off of us and helps unite the Celtics Life community. If you don't like what we're doing, let us know. Let us know in an article. Let us know on Twitter. Can use the hashtag CLPod, whatever works for you. We're trying to bring you what you want to hear the way you want to hear it. And that's all I got. Yeah. You got anything else? No. Nope. All good. Alright, well, hopefully, not long after people listen listen to this, we'll be celebrating.
2: Our first trip to the Cavs. The first trip to the Eastern Conference Finals since what? Twenty I
1: think you're right. Yeah. yeah There you go. Been good.
2: Take care. <laughs> 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 da da da. <laughs> yep. Yeah,
1: cool. Good times. Let's go. <laughs> I would rather see him retire, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to edit that part out. (laughs) 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 Awkward silence, and that's okay. But here goes.